Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the WWE Raw Review. I'm Michael Hamford from What Culture, and I'm joined by Phil Chambers from What Culture to discuss everything that happened on last night's edition of Monday Now Raw. But first, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, I know I didn't like that either. Uh, <laughs> make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review and preview Raw, but also SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Collision, pay-per-views, premium live events. We all wrestler interviews, roundtable discussions, and have a round of the complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Maybe not for a while, uh, or maybe so. I don't know. Phil does the best quizzes anyway. I don't want to shoot on him while he's not around, <laughs> yeah. but you know. Um, but Phil. You have uh, stepped into the breach today. Not only have we sat together this morning and previewed NXT uh, that we that people can listen to now. It's already out there on the feed. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to follow up on that by actually watching the show as well. <laughs> uh, you've endured quite a lot of punishment because you also watched Monday Night Raw for the purpose of reviewing. The longest yeah. show we cover, the, uh, the flagship, I guess, of WWE still. It's not even that anymore, is it really? But... Um, yeah, rather than me asking, as we did with NXT, about your relationship with NXT, or indeed your relationship with Raw, um, how was it, other than having to view this through the typical lens of staring at Simon Miller's beautiful face <laughs> as you had it ups and downs, how was it trying to engage with all three hours of WWE's Monday Night Extravaganza? So yeah, I should preface this by the, the how I normally interact with WWE Raw. Yeah. Uh, I edit the Ups and Down show for Simon Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watch the show as I'm editing that because I obviously need to get like screenshots of things that he's talking about. So I figured there's like there's no point in me getting up first thing in the morning, watching Raw, coming into work, just to watch Raw again and go through and get oh, all the screenshots. Oh, but Phil, you really don't get that um, half four, quarter five feeling in the morning that really like, gets you revved up when somebody's welcoming you to the show. So yeah, I don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, I get to sit and watch it at like 11 in the morning. Yeah. Like, I had a nice time at work. <laughs> um, so it's, it's not normally a bad time. I'm just mm. sat there. I get to skip the things I don't want to watch. If, it, if something interests me, I'll watch that as I'm going along kind of thing. Um, and so, and I could also have the joy of double speed and things like that. Yeah, if, uh, oh, I do get sick of that. Yeah. Um, so I get to pick and choose. I get to watch what I want. Um, but I still like. I keep up with it, obviously, mm-hmm. every day, uh, every week. So I am very much at least on top of Raw, <laughs> much more so than <laughs> I was on top of the NXT review uh, preview earlier. So this time I did watch it a little bit more just because uh-huh. I knew we were going to be doing this. So I like watched the whole thing, whereas some things I probably would have like skimmed through. Did you, um, like, recently, I think, especially last week's Raw, felt quite fortunate, really, the post-SummerSlam one, 
felt like one of the stronger episodes. There are not weak roars in the way that there used to be weak roars, which was yeah. just that, like, there can be boring ones. There can yeah. be fairly, like, like less than eventful ones. But I think some of the very bad roars have just disappeared. I like Triple H's booking style doesn't really afford for out-and-out trash. Like, the last yeah. roar that felt quite trash was probably the roar after WrestleMania. And the recollection Amazing, of that yeah. is that Vince apparently had his fingers all like, I've never believed it's just as simple and cut and dried as that. But yeah, it doesn't... It felt like s- it at the time. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> feel like you get those trash roars anymore. Like, where where would you say this... In terms of how you watch it and the, that editing process and all that, where would you say this one sat with you compared to some of the, the highs and lows of recent times? I think it was a fine roar. Yeah. I think, um, obviously, SummerSlam was kind of like a bookend of mm-hmm. uh, a period of, of storytelling, at least. Um, and so there's, like, the week after, like, Andy Hartwell and JD McDonough. Yeah, and things. So they like starting and like mix things up a little bit and start mm-hmm. move, moving things forward post SummerSlam. So it feels like a a little bit, not like a full reset time, but like a s- small light reset on some of the storylines at least. Yeah, to like carry on the build now towards payback. It is next, isn't it? it yeah, yeah, payback. Uh, the same. Oh, the same weekend as uh, AW All Out. Yeah. So it was the same night as Collision, I believe, so, and the day before All Out. Yeah. Like it's not the best Raw I've ever seen. Mm. Definitely wasn't the worst Raw I've ever seen. It's like. It's just a, a stopgap one almost while we figure out what's, how we're moving forwards. I'd, I've felt this quite a lot lately. I believe that WWE is doing quite a good job of um, satisfying its core base. Like, I don't know whether I consider myself a part of that or not. Probably I am. Yeah. But I just feel like the majority of the storylines, the majority of the, maybe not the stories, the characters, feels like the characters are more in good places than not. There are some that are drowning. There are some that are simply not getting the opportunity to drown. Yeah. Um, but this was a raw where you kind of felt like more characters had direction than not. And um, the great reset of certain characters, like Shinsuke Nakamura and things. It's yeah. like, oh, well, this is a much better way of forwards of this. Yeah, like we'll follow him for a month, even yeah. if it is just a month, yeah. and then back to the kind of the grind he goes. Um, there's probably no better example of um, characters that have just like basically found themselves for the longest time and just featured prominently. Um, we started the show, there was um, Damien Priest, Rhea Ripley, Dominic Mysterio. There was one member of the group missing, and uh, bearing in mind, I don't know how to put bleeps into this podcast. Um, <laughs> the, the three of them, uh, they're in the flipping judgment day. <laughs> but Finn Balor wasn't there. He wasn't. Um, the three of them came out. Uh, they pretty much do the welcome to Monday Night Raw all the time now. Um, yeah, that does seem to be a little bit of a rut they're in. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, they're, they're, they're top and tail, don't they? Yeah. So you typically get Judgment Day action in the main event and you get them in the open as well because they're big on this thing about how they run Monday Night Raw. Slightly Bloodline adjacent. I was going to say, it's the Bloodline six months ago. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, but Rhea Ripley is insisting that everything is absolutely fine. It's got that very Bullet Club is fine vibe about where things are not. Um, and it's Damien Priest that is willing to admit that that is not the case. He mm-hmm. wants to know where Finn Balor is. Um, sick of him coming out and doing these things and him not being there. Look, let's just admit there's a problem as much as Rhea Ripley tries to suggest there isn't. We don't get Finn Balor. We get somebody that looks like him. J.D. McDonough. Mini-me. Uh, comes oh, out and... Uh, Priest is like, oh, go easy. You remember the JD's in your name, but you're not Judgment Day. Um, and worst of all, McDonough's got a message on behalf of Finn Balor. So he's playing Messenger Boy. Um, not to worry about any of this. Worry about Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes. Um, Ray Ripley is none too pleased that this little scroll is coming out and mixing him with Judgment Day business. Um, and when Dominic 
tries to speak to offer his thoughts on it. Typically, he's booed out the building. He fires back here, saying uh, Canada, Winnipeg is where they are, should respect him, because it's pretty much North America, and he's the North American champion. <laughs> the way you worded it, I've just found out. I've it's just North discovered, yeah. So actually, I'm your king. I'm your champion. <laughs> Pay me the respect. Um, that only ratchets the heat up more. Uh, McDonough is away, but Rhea says, oh, I've got a message for Finn Balor, actually, seeing as you're the go-between. Uh, we do need to have a talk. There will be more on that later on. But in the meantime, Sami Zayn runs out looking to get revenge for McDonough's attack on him last week that obviously ruled him out of the match, which set up Nakamura and Seth Rollins. And that takes us to our opening contest. It's uh, Sami Zayn versus J.D. McDonough. The story of the match is that Sami Zayn is heavily um, sort of like nursing the arm injury, I guess. We saw that terrifying tennis ball-sized fluid build-up yep. in his elbow last week. But like, thankfully, he was back to obviously being able to work with it this week. Um, McDonough does the sort of old NXT character of just, you know, he, he really likes targeting the, uh, the body part. Um, and he's like, he's attacking the arm, he's putting in a submission, he's flinging it into the ring post, stuff like that. Um, but Zayn is able to um, battle back, hits the Michinoku driver with one arm, which yeah. is really impressive. Um but it's not enough, obviously, to uh, to take advantage of it. McDonough nails a Spanish fly. Um, he goes, yeah, for, he locks in a crossface, I think it was, but yeah. with the bad arm attached. Um, but Zayn manages to get away, does the, the suplex into the corner. Finn Balor makes his way out, finally. Um, tries to provide distraction, which allows McDonough to get a roll-up. Um, but Zayn manages to uh, get the knees up, I think it was, for a moonsault. Balor gets on the apron, Zayn boots him down and nails... Um, McDonough with the halluva kick wins the match, obviously, and you know it wasn't to be this night, despite the arm injury. What do you make, I guess, to fold these two things together? First of the match, Sami Zayn versus JD McDonough, but also of this McDonough Balor Judgment Day overlap stuff, which we will get more of as the night unfolds. Yeah, so I mean the overlap stuff, I'm I'm fine with it. I think it like it's another ripple in the Judgment Day. They're the, the doing the uh, like groups are arguing quite a lot. Across multiple things, we'll There's get a bit, to a bit more yeah. later on. There's a mm-hmm. little bit more, um, but I think in terms of bringing up JD McDonough, he's going. It's like there's very much like you can look at JD McDonough's coming up and like he's on a, on a match on this raw. Indy Hartwell's come up is on a match on this raw. Mm-hmm. They both end with pretty much the exact same finish. Yeah, <laughs> slight distraction leading to failed roll up attempt, leading to them being hit with the finisher of the other person. Mm-hmm. Both exactly the same, <laughs> but. Indy Hartwell's feels like a bit of a, a mess and it doesn't see, you don't see where it fits in with the grander storyline of anything. But at least JD McDonough's getting put into what is like a main event level stable yeah. storyline. So it's like, whereas both of them have just been called up and are just losing. Yeah. <laughs> away, which they really <laughs> seem to like to do quite a lot. And oh, we've yeah. roasted them about this quite a lot in the past of just mm-hmm. making NXT call-ups lose. It feels like his is a little bit more focused and actually has a storyline attached to it and is going somewhere. Yeah. So you can allow it to have a bit more of a pass. Yeah, there was um, a story we, we touched upon a little bit on the news today about um, the possibility of the... There appears to be like a five-on-five five looming, doesn't there? There's a, yeah. there's a baby face defense quartet on Monday Night Raw of Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Meanwhile, you've got the Judgment Day, presumably with JD McDonough. Mm-hmm. Um, that reeks of a war games if Triple H can sneak another one on before Dead steps yep. in and says no, doesn't it? So that <laughs> does this is the time of year where you start looking at exactly who could magically form these big groups yep. to yeah set those cage matches it's up. The perfect so. thing to keep Cody Rhodes busy until we get to WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking of keeping somebody busy, we go to uh, Adam Pearce's office where Chelsea Green 
um, is obviously the lone women's tag team champion at the moment. We send our best wishes to Sonia Deville. Get well soon from that um, ACL injury. Um, she threatens to call HR on Adam Pearce if he strips her of the titles. Um, she's come up with an idea to do a kind of America's Got Talent audition process to find a new partner. And then in the meantime, Katana Chance and Caden Carter come into shot and say, well, when you've got your partner, we want first dibs at the titles or we just want the titles full stop. But that is brought to a crushing standstill by a returning Piper Niven who just trucks, I think it was Caden Carter she got, oh, sorry, Katana Chance she Katana got. Chance, yeah. She just trucked Katana Chance from nowhere. Caden Carter's too busy looking after her to be able to follow the rest of the segment, which immediately goes, <laughs> <laughs> she's out of it now, out of the way you, um, like the lamb on The Simpsons. So as we go to uh, the, the close-up shot on Chelsea Green and Piper Niven, who says, I'm the partner now, I'm, I'm the tag team champion, snatches a belt, puts one over shoulder, and Chelsea Green looks absolutely like piss-a-pants afraid to do anything about <laughs> it. And I guess we have the new partner and new tag team champions. I'm fine with this. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I really enjoy this. Uh, I think Chelsea Green is great. Uh, her reactions are ace, like yeah. her storyline, the like Karen who goes to HR all the time is brilliant. I really enjoy it. Uh, if you've not seen her on her social media all week, she's been like talking about doing like auditions for new mm. partners as well. So it kind of ties into that where she wanted um, to do like a, a, a next like tag team's got talent kind of tournament yeah. uh, auditions for it. And then Piper Niven's just like, uh, no, I'm in this now. And she's like, uh, but it's like, she still had the bit where it's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? But she still has to get the digs in there. Well, you can apply, you can get yeah. your address and like, I'll get back to you. And then she's just like, no, I'm going to take it. Like, she gets so much personality across in everything that she Mm. does. (laughs) It's really, really good. This feels like it's got potential as well, doesn't it? Like, that kind of character... Um, you know the, the the Karen gimmick. I know, like it's a very very dated concept, yes. but Chelsea Green performs it so well that like yeah. she's she's so earnest in her performance of it that it's become quite endearing already. Yeah. Like that character now having somebody to do the physical dirty work makes perfect sense for how you make this character make sense in wrestling. <laughs> you can't yeah. just keep complaining to an authority figure. It has to somehow get to the ring. Yeah. And now with Piper Niven, it will. Yeah, I think it's so. almost like what Sonya Deville could have been all along. Yeah, they never really got like there with her. Legit, as a, yeah, <laughs> she is legit, but they never quite. She get wasn't that her MMA bodyguard, yeah, particularly was she? But Piper Niven's going to be now the muscle, yeah. in this unit. And obviously, it's great to see Piper Niven back on TV. Ups, yeah, up to the WCPW counter at least. Indeed, <laughs> um, aye, we're all for a bit more representation than yes. either of the shows get. So that was good to see. Um, and keeps the belts relevant because they're kind of cursed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they are no, absolutely. Like, yeah, really cursed. Like Piper Niven, like has shown bravery just by throwing one over a shoulder. Fingers crossed that doesn't <laughs> yeah. result in a dislocating it. Um, we get a, a quick promo from Cody Rhodes. Well, he's just really just like he doesn't remember the last time he was in Winnipeg. He's excited to be there. He's going to fight Finn Balor later on. Um, and next up, we've got Imperium. Um, Gunther has taken his usual promo spot, stood atop the announce table, looking like he's addressing everybody from his high pedestal. Um, he uh, mentions, obviously, that he's built this Intercontinental title. Um, and being from Europe, he was quite looking forward to coming to Canada. But Winnipeg's a total dump. He calls it the armpit of Canada, uh, which sort of reminded me of Bret Hart saying that he would, um, if he was going to give America an enemy, he would put the hose in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. um, in the meantime, though, enough of that, because Chad Gable is on the agenda. Um, he did impress him in getting the title match that he earned in the number one contenders four-way last week. Um Gable has, uh, you know, had the Olympic background, but Gunther has done more in the one year as Intercontinental Champion that Gable has done in his supposedly historic career. This brings out 
Chad Gable and indeed the rest of Alpha Academy. Um, Gable references the beat the clock challenge that they had the other week, which he survived. Um, but he's not going to survive the clock that he's on because he's going to take that Intercontinental title before Gunther can break the record. Uh, this kind of had my mouth watering. That match is going to be absolutely brilliant. And yep. with this title, I'm glad they're mentioning the time frame because the stakes were high enough. Gunther's made this belt matter so much. But this match is going to be a total ripper and they're going to have you believing that Gunther's not going to break this record. Yeah. I cannot wait for this. Um, so that's going to come, obviously, before Gunther hits that honky-tonk man record. But in the meantime, we've got uh, Chad Gable in a bit of a tune-up match against Giovanni Vinci. Um, so he calls him into the ring. But before we can get to that, we've got Ludwig Kaiser, who is yet again uh, trying his hand at trying to impress Maxine Dupree. Uh, he suggests that she could be a part of his European elegance. Um, they'll have A-plus aesthetics together. Um, meanwhile, the Alpha Academy is a sinking ship. Gable will lose to Gunther. Um, and that's why he's extending his hand to her to come along with him. Um, she could take his hand and let it save her, or she could go down with that ship uh, that has a 360-pound anchor attached to it in the form of Otis. Um, ultimately, they'll drag her down to what they already are, which is an absolute embarrassment. That gets him a slap, uh, which I guess is a resounding no for now. For now. From Maxine Dupree. Uh, I... Thought they had a bit of chemistry, the two of them. Yeah. Like, this is the second week in a row where there's been a bit of a spark there. You could do the turn here, couldn't you? <laughs> you could maybe foresee the turn. For all that the Intercontinental title is going to be very, very serious in-ring business, they could fold in a bit of romance drama to it yeah. and just make it all the better, I think. Um, for what it's worth, from an in-ring point of view, this feud got too little... Five minute errands back to back here, didn't it? Because we had Chad Gable and Giovanni Vinci, just as like as clean and as slick as you would expect, but a fairly straightforward win for Chad Gable. Um, they're having a chop battle, and then Gable ends up missing a moonsault, which allows uh, Giovanni Vinci to get his own. But Gable fires back up, hits him, beats him with a chaos theory. Gunther is raging that this has occurred. So he challenges the anchor, he challenges Otis right now. Same and Otis have a match, which again is just the, well, normally Gunther is the two that you've, cho- that you've got to chop down. How do you do it? Well, in Gunther's case, you just continue to chop. Um, the Caterpillar is uh, stopped by a drop kick. Uh, uh, Gunther smashes him in the head with a boot and then somehow gets him up for the powerbomb. Yeah. It's pretty great stuff. <laughs> it is, it's 50-50 booking by design, by its very nature here, because Gable's got his win, Otis has got his loss. Yeah. Champion and challenger are both on winning streaks. But I like this little Imperium Alpha Academy segment. There are two stables, there are a few different moving parts, there's a bit of romance, there's a bit of action, and there's a pretty high stakes finale at the end of it too. Yeah, I really like all of this. Uh, I think the like, dichotomy between the two different teams as well, they, are, they could not be more yeah. different, these <laughs> two teams. Like the comedy of... Shoosh, shoosh, please. Yeah. And like going into like Gunther and just everything that the Imperium is. It's such a perfect little match for some. Mm-hmm. Somehow it just really, really works. Uh, going back to Gunther's promo at the beginning, though, I think he's he's finding his way on the microphone in WWE. Yeah. Like I think it's been, I think WWE's pr- like scripted him a bit weirdly at times mm. where it's maybe a bit stilted and they didn't know quite how to get Gunther the character over. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like they're, be- or he's at least becoming much more comfortable with the stuff that they're giving him, the like promo time that he's getting, um, and he felt like he felt really comfortable on the mic in mm. this one, um, and I think it really, really worked. You can't um, put a price on aura, can you? And yeah. this run has really helped him build that up. Absolutely, like the, yeah. the, the belt to bell was never in question. Yeah. But now he looks. I was comparing. Him, he's like one of them wrestlers that looks a hundred foot tall. <laughs> like I think yeah. the stand on the desking is really like. 
apropos of Gunther, because even though that would still make him lower than the rest in the ring, he feels like they're reduced in size from yeah. his little platform there. Yeah, it's great. Even to the point of his own tag team that's with him, he's like standing far and far yeah. and way above them. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I mean, Gable's always great on the mic. He's just so stupid and ridiculous that it just everything he does works. Uh, the teases with the like romance angle, I think you could easily go into something like that, mm-hmm. and that would be a really funny element to add into the Imperium yeah. stable as well. Like how they like handle that going forwards. Like I don't think Imperium should break up anytime soon. No. But and also Imperium are the ones that you can kind of get away with the in how in like house fighting, the bickering. Mm-hmm. Because they've kind of always been like that. Gunther's always been really tough on the other yep. two to the point of like smacking them about. Iron fist stuff, stuff, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I think you can get away with that kind of thing a little bit more. Do you think with Maxine Dupree needs to be ordering her tracksuit? <laughs> I think that's where this goes next. Yes. First absolutely. female Imperium member. No, it's good. I totally agree. So I love all this. And the two matches, like you say, just sort of short and sweet. Both, they get across the point of both guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great thing leading into the IC title match. I'm loving it all. And. I think, I mean, I don't think Gunther should lose anywhere be- no. before the he hits the title, uh, the record run, mm-hmm. obviously. But you could easily run this back. Like, you could do some kind of finish where Gable comes so, so close to getting it. But then, because there's obviously so many other moving parts going on around it, like, you could legitimately do one where he, like, he almost has him, but something yeah. happens that doesn't let him do it, and Gunther gets the win in the end. To, enoy, to enable you to run this back. And if, like, Gable was the one to take it off Gunther, I would be absolutely fine with this. It's um, it's quite something, isn't it? You know, like, how over the years, WWE have ran the odd, um, like, best of seven series. Yeah. Like, out front, they've told you, this is going to be, like, a saga thing. But so often, they've been pretty lame at building stars that despite... The, Sheamus and Cesaro is the one that always springs to mind, and obviously yeah. that formed the bar. It sounds wild now and spoiled to think... I have to watch this seven times because <laughs> you didn't really want to watch it once. There was yeah. just minimal investment in both guys. The very reason the feud started was because they were both like forgotten men. Yeah. So they're just going to hit each other really hard. You know, whatever. Like, and then by the end, they've kind of, kind of forced you to care yeah. and then they become this awesome tag team. It's rare in WWE that there are two people that you could put together that are, like, if you said to me, it's not just one, it's the best seven series. Gable, I would love that. Yeah, Gable and Gunther, if you told me you're going to get this, like, it's going to go to 4-3. Yeah. Yes, please. Like, I would take that. I would snap your hand off of that right now. I'm so excited yeah. for the first match between the two. It's even, like, straight after the Gunther match finished and, like, Gable ran in and, like, hit him, took him down with a German suplex really yeah. quickly and then Gunther got out. It's like, that's quick moments where it's like, ah, oh, he kind of has the number here. Like, this he, is going to rule. Because yeah. you know deep down, like, as silly as Gable has been portrayed across the years, mm. you know he can go. Yeah. And, uh... I, Gunther's the perfect guy to put him up against. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. Well, think one thing about Giovanni Vinci though, like when he's in the ring, like he just looks like the bog standard, like default creator wrestler <laughs> from any computer game ever. Like he needs to do something to mix up his look because he looks like nothing. <laughs> I suppose it's tricky in Imperium as well, isn't it? Because you've got their like I love like they really did a number on me as a tag team. Yeah. Because uh, they were just so dynamic yeah, and electrifying. Right. And at first I was like, oh, that's a bit dry. The Gunther's boring mates or the Walter's boring mates. Um, it is tricky with the Imperium aesthetic yeah. to burst out of that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the work always stands up for itself, but it can, like, you can oh, I need a little bit of something to look at here. Yeah. Yeah. But they can, like, yeah, like, they've scratched the surface of what, haven't oh, they? Totally, scratched yeah. the surface of what they can do as a tag team as mm-hmm. well. Like, keep this running. They can do so, so much more. And Ludwig Kaiser on the microphone now, he's another one that's just getting better and better as the weeks go yeah, on. This was really good. This is a really, really good yeah. little promo for him. Just, yeah, I just enjoyed all of this segment. It was good fun. Totally agree. Loved all of it. Um, Damien Priest and, and Finn. Uh, sorry, the bit when uh, Gunther was 
like straight after the Gable match, and Gunther was like, "Right, I'm going to fight Otis like right now." Yeah, and then uh, the whole time he was doing this really serious promo at Otis, and Otis was just grinding the ropes. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, this is why I love this stuff. He's never not moving or growling. Otis, <laughs> yeah. There's always something to make you think. Well, I need to keep an eye on that guy. Yeah. Um, I Damien Priest are still, and Finn Balor are still bickering backstage. Rhea Ripley wants them to get their Judgment Day killer instinct back. Uh, and there's J.D. McDonough again. Uh, Priest sends him back in uh, like the little rat he is. Um, and Bala says, right, you want killer instincts? Cody Rhodes tonight. I'll beat him in the main event. You'll see. Um, we go back to earlier on today where um, Drew McIntyre... Just before we move on from that. Yeah. Like, there's a few hints throughout this episode. I don't know if it's just me reading into mm. things way too much, but are they angling for a Damien Priest like face turn coming out of this? It's felt like that for a little while. Yeah, like the um, there was definitely some moments in the beginning of it where he was like La Familia. Yeah, uh, and it's like and in this promo as well, it felt like oh, he just wants his friends to get along again. He's like he's doing things that are vaguely endearing, even though he's in a group of like bad guys. He still just wants everyone to be together and wants everyone to be friends. Totally. No, it's um the so the obviously the stuff with the where the plan has gone wrong for helping Finn Balor win the title. Yeah. It was made to seem as if Finn Balor's um, breaking of the plan or wrecking the idea. Like, Damien Priest has been presented. Of course, he's got the briefcase and wants to win the title, yeah. but he's been presented as a guy that is, like, best foot forward for the group. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to stab you in the... I might stab you in the front, but I'm definitely not going to stab you in the back. Uh, Finn Balor, you don't get that vibe from him at all. He's threatened by Damien Priest. Yes. And when you couple the Bad Bunny match and the Money in the Bank match together, Priest has now, he's kind of endured, hasn't he? He's, yeah. he's sort of, he survived a couple of, I know he lost to Bad Bunny, but he survived a couple of pretty significant career moments and he's earning the fans' respect rather than just telling them to respect him as he yeah. might have been once when he was the babyface. Big guy from NXT. Yeah. Like now, like, people have seen his development and I think that's... It's been a really slow but natural road to yeah, that as well. This stable has been effective for so many reasons, and that is definitely one. Damien Priest is starting to feel like, I don't know, I, I honestly think come Royal Rumble season, depending on what happens with this briefcase, I think he could be making an argument for himself. Like, yeah. And that's not to say that the briefcase won't guarantee him that belt anyway, but yeah. certainly this, very different from the old uh, Vince McMahon method of, oh, they've got the case, you can beat him as much as you want. Yes. They're not doing that with Priest, and you know, more that, hopefully that continues as well. Yeah. We need to see more of that. Uh, yeah, sorry, Drew McIntyre was going to be interviewed. But before he could even say much, uh, it, the last time we saw him, of course, was losing clean to Gunther at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Um, before he could really get going, he was interrupted by Matt Riddle, who is basically doing his ringy stuff, but with Drew. Yeah. He wants them to be a team. They were mates before SummerSlam. This is not just out of thin air. They'd forged a loose bond in the run-up to SummerSlam, but Riddle wants to make it serious. He wants to make it a bit more formal. Uh, he's singing uh, Glass Bros. Edin Bros. I checked with Andy Murray and Air, which is where um, Drew McIntyre is from, is very much more Glasgow. And I think Drew's a Rangers fan as well. Maybe. I think Glasbros is why they've landed on that one. Um, and he wants his tag team so much, he's already signed them a match against the Viking Raiders, which Drew's a bit like, oh, all right, mate. Um, <laughs> but he agrees to be his partner nonetheless. Um, I'll do it if nobody else is around to do yeah. it. So that's the sort of least enthusiastic acceptance, but Riddle's like, great, I've got my man. What can possibly go wrong? A little bit weird that they're trying to angle this as like, oh, yeah, let's be a team tag team. They were a tag team last month. They were. But, <laughs> well, you see, I think, that, I think there's a bit of story here because uh, during the match, which comes next, and we get a little video package on Indy Hartwell, but then we get to the tag matches, Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle, the Glass Bros, uh, although Michael Cole suggested Highlanders. 
Hey. Which is quite nice that as well. I, I get I get jokes. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, they're fighting the Viking Raiders. Um, and there is a point on commentary where Wade Barrett notes that, like, Drew's not been speaking to anybody. He's not answered any of his texts and stuff. And I did wonder if, yes, they were a tag team, but Drew was kind of gone into himself after losing to Gunter. He's getting pretty pissed off and pretty angry. And that includes probably ignoring... Like, you could well imagine him ghosting Matt Riddle, couldn't you? Yeah. And Riddle being like, I'm going to have to come up with the team name and sign as a match. Yeah. If I want to get him back on side, we're going to have to do this. Because Drew's not that enthusiastic. The match goes pretty much as you expect. It's Riddle as the babyface in peril. The Viking Raiders get their advantage um, against him. Uh, but eventually, he's able to fire back and he tags in McIntyre for the hot tag. The two of them... Take over. Uh, they hit Michinoku driver on Ivar for two. Um, he goes to the Claymore, but there's briefly the distraction, which allows Eric to smash Drew McIntyre in the face. Riddle gets himself back in to reclaim the advantage for the two of them. Um, he does the um, clothesline suplex combination on Ivar. There's a suplex that is broken up, which um, allows McIntyre to come back in. Riddle is a floating bro on Ivar, freeing up McIntyre to claim it on Eric. And the two of them get the win. Look like this fairly um, unified team, bell to bell. But you can tell Drew's like not necessarily, his heart's not really in this. Yeah. And that's the point. Like To your point about them being a tag team before SummerSlam, maybe his heart was because he thinks, oh, I'm going to go to SummerSlam and win the IC. Now he's lost that, and there's seemingly no route back. Yeah. Is this union with Riddle less interesting to him? Like, we never got Randy Orton turning on Matt Riddle. Yeah. Partly because Orton obviously got this injury, but partly because people loved RK Bro so much that they stopped wanting to see that. Yeah. Does this feel like the like accelerated version of that story told with Drew, a character that, to me, desperately needs this turn? Yeah, it does feel like... They're going straight into that. Like that first promo with Riddle and uh, Drew McIntyre backstage is like, oh yeah, they're just doing that again, but this yeah. time he's actually going to turn and it probably won't last that long. Um, I mean, I think the ultimate thing to come out of this would be if Drew McIntyre turns on Riddle and then Randy Orton comes back and then you can do Randy versus Drew, which yeah. would be a really good thing. Come How out dare of you? Obviously, that's mm-hmm. up in the air quite a lot with mm-hmm. Randy Orton's injury, but I think that would be a really fun thing to come out of this. Uh, but Drew needs something. Yeah. He needs to turn heel, really. He's done everything he can, probably, as a babyface right think now. So. Um, so, yeah, he needs to go heel for a bit. And this feels like the best way you can do this. You've got uh, a little thing a little bit later on as well, mm-hmm. which I guess we'll get to then. Or we'll, we'll do that. Now. We, can, now. we can jump a little bit ahead. So now there was only Rhea Ripley and Raka Rodriguez having the odd words and Rodriguez prepping Indy Hartwell for a match against Rhea. But yes, yep. um, Riddle and McIntyre, you know, they want to win the tag belts, um, as all teams in the company should do. But so do the New Day, who were there. They, of course, made their return with a victory over the Viking Raiders last week. Um, they make jokes again about how the tag division's all in all sorts of disarray. The New Day were kind of making this point last week that they wanted to be the stabilizing force of the tag division like they always were. Yep. Um, they have white chairs like that viral video of the Alabama brawl. Thing. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, that was uh, that was like I t- it took me a minute. Old man Hamlet was like, "What's that about?" And then obviously I picked it up because I like, knew they were actually plugged in the um, internet. <laughs> um, ultimately, this leads to a match between the two sides next week, um, and Riddle accepts on behalf of the Glasbros, which which is great because like that's him formalizing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He's in the team yeah. that like Drew's... Uh, I'm not signing off on this, mate. Yeah. Like, if we win, great, because then we get a shot of the belts. But um, I, Right, I don't know... If this is just, uh, I'm on a hiding to nowhere with this. I felt this last week, and I kind of feel it this week. Are they very subtly building towards a new day turning heel? I mentioned this to Wilborn. I know the new day sell nothing, <laughs> ever. Power positivity, <laughs> I get it, right? But Big E's possibly never coming back. Yeah. And they're ostensibly fine, but maybe they're not fine. They're talking about the tag division as if it's a thing they need. They really need this. And it's almost like, is it because you need the validation? Like, you've been gone so long. Yeah, and the whole point of this promo was that, what, you think you can go for the tag belts before us? We've, yeah. been, in, we've been doing this for years. Like, if anything, you've got to go through us. And it's almost like that kind of like, well, WWE was like, start, as WWE started to move on, the fans started to like, you know, we've got Zane and Owens. They're kind of, they were the ones that main evented with the Usos, your career rivals. And yeah, you didn't them that main evented at WrestleMania yeah. with you and all that kind of thing, like... I feel right now they're a vehicle for this um, Drew and uh, Riddle tag team. Like, that turn feels most effective if you get a tag title shot or New Day win, and they have the split there. But I don't know. I just I sense that, like, at some point, New Day might get a bit pissed off that, like, they're not getting these opportunities. And, yeah, people are just looking straight past them, and it's like, how dare Like, you look past We were the tag team division for so many years. When this yeah. division was in the bin, it was us. It was the Usos, and that was pretty much it. Like... I, I don't know, maybe this is, I'm just misreading things, but it feels to me like they're trying to let you know that this is at some point going to be a slightly different New Day. Yeah, it's, it feels like the promo on Raw last night kind of felt a little bit like when the Street Profits started to get a little bit of an edge to their yeah. promos. Mm-hmm. Like it was still, they were still doing the good guy shtick, they were just still doing the hoo-hoo, yeah. and the like WWE World Tag <laughs> Team Champions. They were still doing the New Day shtick, mm. but what they were actually saying felt like it cut a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, it, yeah. Both weeks I think that's been the case. So whether that's just them actively changing up the characters slightly, or whether mm-hmm. that's a hint for something to come in the future. I'm not entirely sure. We'll have to wait and find out, I guess. But it, I would kind of be into it. Like, I think yeah. like Big E gone especially, because I think it'd be harder with Big E, because, like, I, I, not that he couldn't do it by any stretch of the imagination, but because of, like, how beloved he is and just the entire, like, idea of his character. Especially if he came back now. Like, yeah. Re- re- recovering yeah, from that injury. Yeah, and yeah. there's no mm-hmm. way. So if you're going to do it, like, now's the time. And even if, like, f- complete fantasy booking, but if the New Day 
went through a bit of a downturn. Like the biggie thing was like a catalyst to push them mm-hmm. over into the dark side. And then they like real think like, you know, when you get like in a little spiral and you keep thinking yeah. about all the things that are against you and then they do go down a heel run, have a mm-hmm. bit of a heel run as a tag team. And then eventually whenever biggie is ready, if he does come back and it's him to like bring them back to yeah. the light side, it'd be a really nice little story arc of the new day and something that you couldn't do with anybody else no because of the way the new day dynamic is it's like just a bit of character development as well yeah like there's very little character development with the new day because the WWE have never really needed to yeah. but that's just because you don't need to it doesn't mean that you should and we're coming up on nearly like 2024 will be a decade of the new day which is amazing yeah, that's insane. like an uh, incredible achievement you know um what they've done and it is an achievement because that company has so rarely supported tag teams. So it's remarkable what they've done with their career. But it'd be nice now to, like, it would be a genuine refresher, I think, if, yeah. if only for the short term. Um, speaking, <laughs> speaking of short term, Indy Hartwell versus Rhea Ripley. Um, last week we had Rhea Ripley kind of decked by half the division, calling her out while Raquel Rodriguez convalesces, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell were sick. And they attacked Rhea Ripley as well. But in a fair fight, it wasn't uh, going to be Indy Hartwell's day. You had Dominic Mysterio and Candice LeRae, respectively, ringside. Uh, Indy Hartwell managed to get two off a spine buster, but that was all she got. Um, Ripley dominates, um, hits her with a riptide in under three minutes, and that was that. Uh, I don't know. Like, we talked about this on um, another podcast. I think it might have been the NXT one, or, like, just this idea that uh, Rhea Ripley is a focused character but on WWE's terms, yeah. like she's a focused character when it comes to the men she's in the storyline with and trying to stop them fighting. Yeah. But the women's title stuff feels a little bit fluffy and a bit lightweight by comparison. Yeah, 100%. Like you can hark this back to the JD McDonough thing <clears throat> from earlier. Mm. Um, the match, like like I said, the two finishes were pretty much identical. Yeah. Like uh, both of them, there was a vague distraction on the outside. Uh, Rhea Ripley went and attacked uh, Candice Candice LeRae Mm -hmm. on the outside, knocked her down, went back in, got the surprise roll-up, didn't get, she like Indy Hartwell, didn't get the win from the surprise roll-up, she kicked out, and then she got hit with the riptide, and that was one, two, three. That happened in the first match, except it was, um, what, like, I can't even remember who it was on the outside. Oh, Uh, Finn Balor. Finn Balor on the outside, uh, and then he ended up getting hit with the Louvre kick, and it worked exactly the same, like, the beats were exactly the Mm -hmm. same, except on this one, uh, Indy Hartwell had just been in like a two minute match, <laughs> whereas JD McDonough had been in like a 12 minute yeah. match. And it's not only a 12 minute match, but a 12 minute really back and forth match with Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a very different world yeah. uh, in terms of what is ostensibly the same call up at the same time yeah. with two different, very people in two different situations. Less TV time, less agency. Yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. even to the point of, this one is almost weirder because you had the Indy Hartwell hype video earlier, like a 30-second hype video of like, like who is Indy Hartwell kind of thing. It was quite a good little hype video mm-hmm. package. And then you had the weird little backstage thing with uh, Candice LeRae and Raquel Rodriguez who were basically like, hey, uh, good, good luck tonight. You'll do great. Knowing that she's going <laughs> to get her yeah. ass handed to her. And yeah. then she got her ass handed to her. And yeah. it's like, well... You're hyping this person up <laughs> to have two people on your roster not have any confidence in her mm. to then go out and get squashed in two minutes. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's quite Triple H, that, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, the three yeah. characters involved in it, Candice Ray, Raquel Rodriguez, and Indy Hartwell, don't feel like characters. They don't, like, 
There's nothing going on with any of them. No. Like Ra- Raquel, especially, mm-hmm. could be so much more yeah. uh, in terms of like her size. They're doing this like injury recovery deal. Yeah, she's going to be Rhea's prop- yeah. proper challenger in inverted she's commas. She's still yeah. got the weird, I'm a good guy thing, yeah. smiley face going on. Like, you know, don't forget to smile when yeah. you're out there. Thing. <laughs> Big smiles out there. Candice LeRae is just like a nothing character at the minute. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, we know what Candice LeRae can do. Like, yep. if you just look through her wrestling history, she can do a hell of a lot more. Criminally underused, yeah. I think, at the moment. Insanely yeah. so. And Indy Hartwell's a brand new character that hasn't really had a chance to establish herself on the main roster in front of that mm. audience. And this, uh, yeah, so this makes absolutely no sense to me. It's, I don't get where it's not very satisfying, was it? No, no. You want to try and like rebuild this division. I thought the idea last week was, wow, three new challengers. Like, let's get this division like back to life a little yeah. bit. And this, like, a squash is fine. Like, Rhea Ripley's a dominant champion. There's nothing wrong in that. But it doesn't, as you say, these characters don't are, like so thinly drawn. Yeah, and they offer no threat to Rhea Ripley. Not really. Really. No. At the end of the day. Oh, I did like. Now you've pointed out, you know, I do quite like the symmetry of like the same plan working for Rhea that didn't work for Ballot and. JD McDonough. It does put like the same thing. It, like may, uh, maybe I'm being too generous to do either, <laughs> and it's just a, it's bad agenting. But I do like the idea. Like, oh, that didn't work for you. Like we've got the same stick, and it works for us every time. Yeah. Like I'm I'm Rhea Ripley. I like I should be the boss of this whole thing. So yeah. maybe there's something to that. But yeah, no, I agree. It's um, it's it's all it's. I say this with every AW preview we do and every WWE one at the moment. It's all way too half baked. Yeah. Like you have to apply the same thought that you put into the men's division, and you were not doing it. Triple H said in the scrum recently, I don't see. Um, well, in fact, I don't see gender. Like, it's not about women's division and men's division. It's about the story. Yeah. If the biggest story, you know, gets the biggest match and so on. Uh, he said, I, I had that philosophy in NXT and I have it here. I believe he had it in NXT, mate. Like, I do not see it on Raw SmackDown and yeah. I never... It's his biggest... Like, the biggest disappointment of the Triple H regime is how, like, he's not brought his pretty stellar reputation of booking women up yeah. to the main roster. I've not yeah. seen it. Especially with the cast he's working with. Yeah. Who are they're all his, his, they're his guys. guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Um, we get Nakamura next. Uh, he they build in advance that he was going to explain his attack on Seth Rollins. I mean, we could read between the lines. Looking lovely in an all black suit, by the <sighs> way. Lovely. Nakamura's like <laughs> look lately. His aesthetics always been great. Yeah. He looks pretty smart. Um, it was pretty obvious he wants to win the title. Um, he cuts the promo in Japanese, then switches to English to let us know yep. what we already knew. Rollins is out, um, but he didn't like being attacked last week. I'm a fighting champion. All you need to do is ask for a shot. So. They can put last week's stuff to bed and let's set the title match right now, which is what they do. Um, they have a handshake, um, but then Nakamura um, utters something that like we can't quite catch, which like leaves it Seth Rollins. Breaks Seth Rollins, yeah. Like <laughs> Seth Rollins, like normally the guy that is so daft and insane that like he gets to play mind games with other people. Yeah, he is left completely frozen in time by whatever it is that Nakamura's like in the passed on. Final scene of Lost in Translation. Very good, yes. Uh, yeah, so while he's lost in translation, Nakamura boots his head off again. Another Kinshasa, Rollins is down. Um, yeah, what do you make of this? I quite like this. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, Nakamura's promo. I liked that they let him do it in mm-hmm. Japanese, uh, which has often been an issue with some of Nakamura's promos, the stuff that they've kind of made him do. That you see the confidence not that comfortable with. more, don't you? When he's, yeah. Of course you would. And yeah, the, quite, yeah. just the charisma. Like, yeah. if, if he's there, like, trying to, like, I don't know, think about what he's saying in English, like, that like oozing charisma thing doesn't quite come across as much as it did in mm. this promo. I love the new look. Um, I love that he has some... Like, I don't know, fire behind him again. It's been a long time since we've seen, like, this version of yeah. Nakamura. And even if it is just a stopgap monthly thing for Seth Rollins, 
you know it's going to be really good fun. He's a unique utility player, Nakamura, because you're right. He does go long periods where, like, it, it feels like WWE are telling you not to care. Yeah. But equally, he kind of works to that level. Yeah. Like, I think he works to the level of his push, Nakamura. Yeah. Um, but that can be a real benefit because when he's given something that he can sink his teeth into, it's quite remarkable how much he elevates his game. Yeah. And I think we're both probably assuming that Seth Rollins retains, and this is like a stopgap yeah. program. But if the wrestler can elevate that to make it not feel like that, all the better. Yeah, and 100%. I, this certainly felt to me like, I was I was quite interested. Yeah. Like, it's a bit of a cliffhanger, isn't it? And like, let's let's see where this goes. Yeah. Like, what, Nakamura saying he's more stylish than Seth? <laughs> and now Seth has the, like this drip god guy. Like, there's nothing you can say that's more offensive than that. Yeah. Like, I've got wackier clothes than you. You what? Like, that, that would, if you're Seth Rollins, that's going to stun you in like into silence as well, isn't it? Whatever so. it is, it's going to need to be quite good because that kind of a reaction from a person, yeah. that doesn't happen every day. Like, they've no. got to come up with a good reason for what this is now. This is a man that wears, like, ginormous yellow <laughs> luminous <laughs> yeah. Crocs. Like, absolutely shock him and make him break and just freeze yeah. in ring, like, going, oh, my God, what's that? He, like, just stripped all of the confidence out of Seth Rollins in one sentence. So it's got to be something good now. Uh, I will say as well, like, I don't think we've seen, like, like... This ver- the version of Seth Rollins, uh, not Seth Rollins, Shinsuke Nakamura. We had a bit with the uh, IC title run. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit hit and miss. Like the Sammy stuff was really good. Yeah. Um, and then like before that, when the last time we got super excited about Nakamura was when he just ended up hitting AJ Styles in the balls constantly. Yes. Pretty much. And then he's like, obviously he does. He just goes off surfing and he has mm-hmm. a great time. And he's loving his <laughs> he life. has a good life, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, but like when he when he comes back and he can turn this on, he can really turn it on. Yeah. Um, quite into this. Uh, so I think then. Seth Rollins isn't going to allow that to be a bad match when it happens. So I really like this. And did you see the um, the translation of his promo? No. Like on Twitter, I think, uh, like HD subtitles or something. Mm. There's a Twitter account that like um, subtitled it and put it back up. The clip. Yeah. Uh, and it was quite good. It was just like him talking about how he was pretty much like sick of being who he was, wants to be who he is, uh, and like needs to change things for himself kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And it was like, it was simple. It really worked in terms of the yeah. like, figuring out what this character is. Um, and the way it came across in like Japanese, like it's what you would expect it to be in the Japanese just from how he was acting it, like, yeah. if that makes sense. I oh, like sort of <laughs> composed and confident. Yeah, like yeah, he got yeah. his point across when nobody understood the language, which yeah. I think is a really, like, it's got to be a hard thing to do. It's a unique skill. And it's like we've seen with... Um, like when Asuka and Io Sky have been like screaming promos at each other, like yeah. it's something like that should happen more. Yeah, like we are a long, long, long way past the idea of the like the foreign heel, the generic foreign heel. Yeah. If somebody doesn't speak in English, it doesn't mean that they can't cut an awesome promo. Yeah, because you're supposed to be able to read the body language and read the tone and everything else. Yeah, things can be inferred sometimes. Indeed. WWE and there's a there's, there was a couple of things on this episode of just like really good reactions to things happening. Mm. Like Rhea Ripley had a great reaction to. Um, Sami Zayn coming out in the beginning, she was just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, as soon as uh, Rollins' music hit, just the look on his face was just utter disgust and dismissal yeah. that this is happening. And it is just, it was like a thir- like a two-second moment or whatever. I'm going to be weathered just, by this yeah. stupid bloody song but again. It was such yeah. a good reaction to, especially the Seth Rollins character. It was really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, I, I, they've got me considering them. They're kind of like fairly milk toast matches they've had in the past. They've kind of got yeah. me interested in this one. Yeah, like I'm, it's a story. Certainly, we'll see how the match goes on the night. Uh, speaking of seeing how matches go on the night um, or with night, we've got somebody. Um, 
that has now pronounced himself an LA Knight guy in Byron Saxon, who does the yeah uh, in an interview with the Miz, pisses off the Miz. Miz says he's going to beat somebody next week to make his point. Um, I, they've kind of like teed up that LA Knight thing last week. It's a very WWE thing, this premise established in week one. Tell no more stories, book the match. So we'll get to like LA Knight versus the Miz in like, I don't know, like a month. Yeah. But we were pretty much there from last week. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of things that we knew we were going to get to. Before ooh. we move on, yeah, uh, I miss, this might just be the like Attitude Era kid coming out of me. I miss whipping boy backstage interviewers. Yes. <laughs> like Byron plays it really well. He is. Like, he, he, and he always he, takes he his lumps, like, doesn't he? Just like uh, in it, like the Miz cued him up to just like ask a question and he's just like yeah and he's like don't you say yeah at me like he didn't do it in the way that LA Knight does it at all he just said yeah but it's just I just miss wrestlers bullying backstage interviews yeah. yeah I don't know what it is about me don't know what that says about me but bring it back Paul Heyman's <laughs> quite good at that with Kayla and then she yes. kind of gives as good as she gets yeah. with them too as well um yeah like The Rock putting a shirt over Kevin Kelly's head yeah. or something like that yeah um <laughs> I uh oh I wish we could just talk about Attitude Era, a funny interview promo, <laughs> otherwise we're going to have to talk about his match, which did borrow a little bit from the Attitude Era, but not the good bits. This was <laughs> Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch. This was, um, of course, the match that controversially was seemingly taken off the SummerSlam card, yep. if we're led to believe what stories came out after the fact, and certainly felt like it was saved for this raw, I don't know, because maybe they were in Canada and they thought there might be a partisan crowd, or at least a hot crowd. Um, and it would, I thought, would go on as the main event. It was like, I would imagine lost, so. You lost your pay per view match. Here's the raw main event in Canada. Hot crowd, hot thing. Yeah. Nothing was hot. No. The match was rubbish. Um, unless they were going to give it 40 minutes, it wasn't going to be the main event. I, like, <laughs> I, I, there's been significant problems with this feud kind of from the off. Um, the premise is great. Trish yeah. Stratus is this star that feels a little bit aggrieved that the world just apparently passed her by and stopped thanking her once the horsewoman turned up. Becky Lynch is a star, mm-hmm. wants that spot back, and obviously Trish Stratus has gotten in the way of that, has turned on her, has cost her interest the tag belts, has then tried to reduce Becky Lynch's role in all of this while getting her to thank her. She brings in Zoe Starks as the kind of the heavy and the muscle, but she's banned from ringside here, so Becky Lynch is finally going to get a match and get her revenge, and all is going to be well. Only it's not. They have a really um, disjointed match, I would describe it as Trish Took me back to WrestleMania 21 with Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. Like that mask, obviously, yeah. she's supposed to use it as a as a weapon and a way to cheat. But it just felt like it was bothering her, and it felt like it was bothering me. Yeah. Like I couldn't not be distracted by this mask. There was odd things as well, like where she'd headbutt Becky Lynch, and it would really hurt Becky Lynch. But then, like Becky Lynch had like forearm her or punch her in the face, and it did nothing to yeah. Becky Lynch. It's like not selling the hand. It's got to work both ways. Yeah, it was just a confusing psychology. And like I say, like I never really think the chemistry's been that great physically between them, um, and there was a bit more of that on display here. Um, Zoe Sark was banned from ringside, but the match spills into the crowd, and then you think, oh, like she's probably going to interfere here in the crowd. Count out first. The building just absolutely takes one giant dump on the finish, as you can imagine. Uh, but at this point, you know, they're committed to this this bit, I guess. So the, the fight out into the crowd, uh, the referee calls it a, a draw for a double count out, and then they go on into the, um, like the, like the bit in between, the concourse in between the fans and the exit. You've got the merch and the food and all that sort of stuff, and they're brawling there. And that's often quite a unique visual, isn't it? But that is where they're over by a T-shirt stand, I think. Yeah. And um, that's where Zoe Stark finally makes a presence felt because she was banned from ringside but not banned from the battle. Um, the two of them beat Becky down. Trish hits the chick kick and the match is just, well, obviously it was waved off with a double count out and Trish yeah. gets the last word. Um, there's a little bit where Gunther bollocks Imperium for what happened earlier in the night, but we go back then to Adam Pearce 
and Trish and Zoe. He's giving them what for for interfering, even though they're like, well, we didn't break any of your rules, Postman Pierce. Uh, but he says, not next time. It's going to be Trish versus Becky in a cage. He didn't say when, did he? No. Payback, maybe, as a sort I of an apology so. match for the not getting SummerSlam. Problem is, I don't really want it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rubbish. This this is one where they kind of missed the payoff. Mm. Like, it wasn't even really SummerSlam. It was still stretched to get to SummerSlam. Yeah. Like, this should have been... If this was if this entire thing was, like, a month-long storyline, it probably would have been really great. Mm-hmm. And you could have got every single point along the way, maybe even six weeks. Yeah. Like, you got every single point along the way, pay it off at a pay-per-view, like, done, dusted. It would have been... It could have been good. Mm. But it's been, like you say, stretched out for so long now. And, like... Plans have changed, I guess, throughout it. Mm. SummerSlam match got called off and put back onto this, but then this wasn't satisfying in any way, no. shape, or form. No. <laughs> and now they're wanting to build it to a cage match, which like isn't even going to be next week. It's going to be probably payback, you would yeah. imagine. And it's a WWE cage is, match. People run in all yeah, the time. People steal like the locks. And... Two or three weeks away now. So oh. you've got another th- few weeks of storytelling to get there. And it just feels like they've completely missed the boat with when this should have been paid off. There's nothing left to say about this program at all, is there? No. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And it feels it. It's a, like it's a bad mix as well because it like going back to Becky versus uh, Bailey, which they were going to pay off in a steel cage, and then like that didn't happen and got moved back. Yes, that brought Lita in, which is yeah. what brought Trish in, and yeah, yeah. So it's mm. like they began and ended. God, this yeah. entire storyline with a bit of a mess surrounding a steel cage. Becky's basically done two things this year, and it's been this. Yeah. It? Not a good... Oh, yeah, I didn't even draw that line, but you're totally right, yeah. That was what got them to the six-woman at yeah. WrestleMania, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's oy, kind oy, of oy. been all over the place. Yeah, not and great. It's, yeah, it's not a good... This wasn't a good payoff in any way, shape, or form. If they were going to do it, they probably should have done the like immediately start the ball and immediately go out of the ring and, it, and yeah. immediately get called off and then just have an elongated street fight kind of brawl mm. which would have been at least would have made a bit more sense because it's like the personal rivalry yes. between the two of them and it was both of their animosity against each other that got the match called off which needs another match that's going to stop that happening. We've tried to get as much in the ring and we can't so we're going to have to cage yeah. in order to do it. Yeah, like yeah. That would have made mm. a hell of a lot more sense than going like five or ten minutes in the ring to then just have it get called off. Deeply unsatisfying as yeah, well in the building. You very, could feel, very unsatisfying. You? Air out the balloon. Because it did. You're right. It felt like it was going to be the end at least. And yeah. that was the sense of relief that was like, I don't, I'm not speaking on behalf of everybody in the buildings. I'm just suggesting that like, yeah. as a viewer, I was thinking, well, uh, we're done at least. We'll get it finished tonight and then we can all move on with our lives. They but can't. Yeah. Like, It's not worse, is there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's such a shame. And again, it goes back to the mucky storytelling in the women's division like yeah. as, as the one thing you can say about this it's a women's story that doesn't revolve around a title so that is a good thing yeah they care about the history and the yeah. legacy and the pride and, and yeah. it has history and legacy mm-hmm. and like in theory it has all of the parts of what yeah. should be a really good story yeah it's it's i think that's it i think I, like i'm loath to call it a noble failure because yeah. i think there has been some pretty um like big slumps along the way and like yeah. very very like lazy tropey wwe devices but i would have booked this and I would have hoped for the best. Yeah, and it, it does feel like it's missed in a number of key areas. Yeah, um, tell you he's not missing. It's Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Nobody, he never, never misses. misses. Um, it's Cody Rhodes and Finn Balor in the main event of Raw. Um, it's a very at this point kind of Judgment Day formula main event. Some mm-hmm. good, some bad, but 
this was one of the weeks where it felt like, and look, we've talked about a few of the reasons why this was the case. This was one of those weeks where it felt like Raw went back to its like dead crowd era that I really thought we were turning the nose up from. Yeah. But Cody Rhodes and Finn Balor got them in, and thank God for that. It's a reminder, like, Cody is still the guy. Like, he's still the man you pay to watch, ultimately, yeah. as the top babyface, um, because they were just into all of this. Um, it looked like Cody was going to have um, Finn beat, which is when Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley made their way out to the ring. Not, of course, with Damian Priest at first. Um, but after Balor's done the dropkick that allows Raw to roll on through the commercial break, um, we see Cody fighting back again, which is then what draws Damian Priest to join. Everything's fine, Phil. And I don't like you fine. stirring no, things again. up at the start of this podcast, right? <laughs> if you can't tell that this group are absolutely, definitely fine. Oh, wait a second, Cody's back in charge, and all of a sudden, it doesn't they look like there's infighting. Um, this is when they do the kind of coordinated distraction stuff that they do where like they intend to take the referee to do the proper cheating yeah. it's worked for them over and over again in a bunch of different matches so um cody hits the cody cutter which at which point damien priest grabs the leg so then cody is uh moved to try and hit a dive on them yeah. he nails Balor and he nails priest yeah. um but then dominic uh the, obviously that distraction has allowed Balor to superplex um yeah, he superplexes Cody back into the ring, at which point Dominic throws the chair in. That's only ever intended to be a distraction because once the referee deals with that, Priest slides in the briefcase. But, oh, no, yet again, the briefcase plan hasn't worked because Cody is the one to pick it up. He clocks it on Balor, hits him with the crossroads. The Judgment Day's plan has failed yet again. Um, they put that to one side, at least, to try and beat down Cody Rhodes. But then Sami Zayn makes a save for Cody, um, and it looks like the baby faces are going to win the day. But the difference maker is J.D. McDonough, the guy that lost at the start of the night, is back at the end as the impact player of all of this. Um, he breaks up the attack. He helps the Judgment Day get the advantage over Cody and Sammy. Um, Cody is hit with South of Heaven, and the Judgment Day kind of win the night, I guess. Finn Balor gets through that really funny pose, sitting on Cody. They do the cool... I love that one, because it was almost an accident the way he got into it. Like, he did the coup de grace, and then... Yeah. Like, slipped off and like landed on his ass but on top of Cody and he's just like well I'll just stay here <laughs> muscle poses while I'm sat on him like a kid sitting on their dad or something yeah. um but yeah, like this was them winning the day and I guess like pretending that the defeat didn't happen. Um, and certainly putting over J.D. McDonough here is the real difference maker because the judgment day, like Priest keeps screwing up, but here's McDonough, you know? Yeah. Um, I quite, I, this was a bit of WWE having the cake and eating it. Yeah. Bala loses, Cody wins. So they've had their hero prevailing. But I thought this was quite an effective way to have the heels win the night. And I did like the kind of McDonough loses the match, but he's able to like gain boot and trust. rally and oh, gain their trust yeah. by helping at the end. Like he was a difference maker in the in the beatdown at the end of the night. And yeah. him presenting himself as the guy that's going to keep the judgment day whole when obviously he's a huge part of ripping it apart. Yeah. I think it's quite good. There was a moment in there as well, like after he came in and I think did he he hit Sami Zayn with a low blow just mm-hmm. as he came in. Yeah. And there was a like a luck between him and Damian Priest where it was like a, a brief moment of acceptance from yeah. Damian Priest. Yeah. Like, ah, okay. Uh, and it's like, you know, that's going to come back in like video packages. Because otherwise point. this would have ended in them fighting again. Exactly, yeah. The briefcase has caused yet again the judgment to lose, but now they're going to end the night on top and, and maybe all is fine. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of, like, this is where the Judgment Day are so different to the Bloodline storyline. Like, obviously you can run comparisons because mm. it's a big group leading SmackDown versus a big group leading War. Yeah. But the Judgment Day can lose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't have that... Uh, that crutch of Roman Reigns can never lose. Yeah. The bloodline had. 
so that you can do stuff like this where they do lose, but they come out on top anyway because they are the, they just they don't have the same kind of aura about them as heels. You can kind of make them clowns if you need to, can't yeah, you? Exactly. Yeah, which is perfect for a Cody. Yeah, because he can run through them, and and Sammy and Kevin they can run exactly. through them any week if they want to. And in terms of being clowns, this was like a uh, hundred clowns coming out of a pinto as Mick Foley would probably <laughs> say because uh, it was like the uh, oh Dominic he crutches uh, Cody and then yeah. like but he still gets the superplex but then he comes in and the chair's in and then the briefcase and the moment of the briefcase going straight under his legs and the, the look on Finn Bella's face yeah it's just like this is just pure clownish comedy but it works within the group so so yes. well and because you can have so many little moving parts and because the sort of judgment day match type has become a bit of a staple now. Mm. You can almost play with that in terms of adding more and more bull stuff to it. <laughs> yeah, like they've certainly with this and SummerSlam. Yeah, like Priest and specifically the case itself is becoming this almost like this dreaded item. It's like why do we <laughs> yeah. keep screwing up with this? Like that case is ruining Bala's life. Yeah, when the, it's what's inside it that's really going to ruin <laughs> his life. And like the the fact that they can like use the duality of that, I think is quite impressive. Yeah. Like I think Triple H will be quite pleased himself at yeah. what he's arrived at here. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's just a bit of nonsense. It's not exactly going to set the world on fire or anything. Mm. But like, I mean, Cody and Finn together are going to be great forever and ever and always. Cody sets everything on fire as well, doesn't he? Yeah. It's odd that he was like the kind of the the outside man to all of this Judgment Day drama. But the beatdown immediately made you think, oh man, we're getting some serious. Yeah. Cody's going to have to rally the troops here and we're going to do, war- Cody's going to do war games. <laughs> like, uh, like all that stuff's quite Cody's going to moonsault off top of the game. He's going to do, he's, he's <laughs> going to like look up to the heavens and say, Dusty, this is for you. And then he's going <laughs> to hit 40 people. Um, aye, this is, uh, I think, yeah, I, I welcome this sort of ending to Raw. I'm with you, not the most like captivating episode, yeah. but I just remain, I, again, I remain interested in more characters than I'm not. And yeah. I think that's a staple of Triple H's run. There are more people whose business I kind of want to watch play out than not. And we probably shouldn't take that for granted for all the years <laughs> when nobody mattered. Is Brock yeah. here? No, nobody matters. Yeah, like absolutely. so. Yeah, I think we'll be on that at least. Um, what were your thoughts? Uh, did you like this episode of Monday Night Raw? Do you think it delivered? Um, it's just like if you know, on a one to ten, how much better was it than last week's AW Dynamite? Let us know in the uh, in the tweet that this yeah, uh, that this podcast <laughs> will go under. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter as well. Sorry, on X. I'll get used to it one X. day. Uh, where can they find you, Phil? The X stands for extreme. At <laughs> <laughs> fill my chambers. You can get me at Michael Hamlet on Extreme. You can get all. All of us at What Culture WWE on Extreme, uh, and you can uh, spend some more extreme times with listening to all the podcasts we've got on the feed. The NXT preview, I dragged Phil kicking and screaming into the sludge that was NXT this morning. <laughs> that preview's on there now. We'll have the review of that show tomorrow. We'll also be bringing a special guest in for the AEW Dynamite Ooh. preview. And also, then speaking of special guests, go check out Ups and Downs on the <gasps> YouTube channel uh-huh. today for Simon Miller's uh, thoughts on this episode of Raw for a special celebrity guest. Ooh, I'm doing that as soon as I get back Ooh. in. I don't even know who that is. I'm getting back into the <laughs> office. I'm going to find out straight away. Um, yeah, all our content is available. Thank you for spending as much time of the day with what culture as you do. We want you to spend more, more, more because more is always more in the content game. Yeah, it is. And until the next time, we will see you soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 